Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome back, everyone. It's been over a month since I was gone from Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. So, the reason why I disappeared for that month, I've been uploading content on YouTube, I've been uploading Wrestleverse videos, Pop Culture Omniverse videos, and been was busy with my retrospective project, but when I was doing the podcast, I had reached a bit of a burnout a little bit. I just needed to take some time off from the podcasting stuff, because I didn't know how to plan this thing. I'm still trying to plan what to do in terms of keeping this podcast around because I have enjoyed it and so right now I'm just trying something a little bit different to like I'm only going like about 20 pieces of news that I thought were interesting instead of just going as much news as possible that I can maintain and a sense of consistency on that uh we'll still do the segments and everything but I just felt like talking doing this podcast it was fun it's been fun but i don't know if i'm gonna keep doing this wednesday and saturday those are my updates from youtube projects but i'm still thinking of some ideas of where to go with this and so on and so forth so i apologize for those who wanted to know where i was so this is my explanation so if anything happens in the future then you could just go back to this episode to you know get this from the beginning this is a 90 second apology basically so, big news had happened in the world of professional wrestling when a bunch of wrestlers were released from their contracts. And, yeah, I covered that on my Wrestleverse channel. I had initially thought about breaking off Neo Reality Collective into separate news shows on my Wrestleverse and Pop Culture Omniversa. And I did toy with the idea a little bit where I go ahead and talk about some big news that went on. That I felt were a little too big for pop culture for pop culture news talk, but um, I did want to come back to that eventually if there were any updates. But that's as far as I'm getting at the moment. But yeah, uh, we're back on this. I'm here to talk about that. Uh, yeah, Samoa Joe was apparently released because they say he was too old and he kept getting hurt. Now if he was getting hurt part and he was still hurt and he didn't want to commentate anymore. That's one thing. It's still annoying that they let him go. They could have tried to work something out with him. 
The old part is the thing that makes me laugh because I'm pretty sure in a world where WWE will still rely on Goldberg, in a world where they'll still rely on Vince McMahon, even though at this point he should consider retiring, even though we both all know that he's probably never going to retire, he will die on that throne because that's how stubborn he is at life, and he'll probably find some way to gain immortality, so yeah. And there's been no updates on that. I thought we were going to get another round of cuts on Friday, but we never did, so seems like that's the end of it for now. I wouldn't be surprised if we get more later this week, but we'll have to see. But, yeah. If that happens, I'll cover it on my Wrestleverse channel on YouTube. You can find the link in the description on the podcast. So, there's that. Anyway, some wrestling news did happen. MLW is headed to Vice TV this spring. So, Vice TV is the one that has Dark Side of the Ring and all this insane wrestling stuff they talk about, which is dark. And Vice TV has got ML Major League Wrestling as, as the new home for it, providing an alternative mainstream wrestling while giving platforms to up-and-coming superstars like MLW. Like MJF, Isaiah Scott, Isaiah Swerve Scott, as he's known as, Jacob Fatu, Ross and Marshall Von Erich, run by Corbin Barr, uh, has been steadily increasing its distribution channels through deals such as partners with Roku, Dazen, Bayon Sports. Now they're adding another major TV player to the mix with a new announced partnership with Vice TV. In recent months, it's been teased that the promotion was working on a major announcement with the most recent report stating that there was discussions with Discovery about a potential distribution deal. Vice TV has seen success in the wrestling world with one of its highest rated programs being Dark Side of the Ring, a documentary series, or a docu-series that chronicles some of the most tragic stories throughout wrestling's history. One of the stories chronicled in the stories was the story of the Von Erich dynasty. The dynasty now continues in MLW with Ross and Marshall Von Erich, the sons of Kevin Von Erich. So, yeah, they plan to apparently launch this coming spring, last I heard. Could change if there's any delays, and there have been rumors about crowd involvement due to, well, the pandemic and all that sorts. But, yeah, we're going to have to see how that goes. But... I we need more wrestling in this business that's not WWE. Yeah. So Chelsea Green, one of the people that were that were fired from the WWE management because of quote budget cut reasons, though let's be real. This and I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Sterling said this. He would probably say this is the activism blizzard approach where they go ahead and fake the record revenue growth by going ahead and faking it by basically firing some people because this is now a yearly occurrence more now than ever, especially since WWE blew up their roster to the extreme. Chelsea Green, however, knew that this would, took some initiative, and on April 15th, Chelsea Green had filed trademarks for her ring name Chelsea Green and Hot Mess. The trademarks were filed the same day she was released by WWE. And WWE also try to get that kind of con, kind of con job attitude with it. Well, they try to make trademarks as well, but they apparently needed written consent. Which I'm wondering how the hell is any how did why did Io Shirai, if this is true, give written consent to WWE just take Elo Shirai, Elo, yeah. It's kind of funny when I think when I look back on that, even though it's just so sad. 
CM Punk has been a talk of the town in the wrestling world lately. He's been I covered this a little bit on my on my Wrestleverse channel, but one of the things that I will bring up is that is that I think wrestling wants CM Punk back. Wrestling wants CM Punk back. They don't necessarily need him back at this point in the in his life because wrestling is wrestling. It will continue evolving. It will continue getting more stars, and will probably be around until the world implodes, or at least until we do something stupid and cause our mass extinction. Yeah, I'm going dark on that. Um, CM Punk said that if I go back to WWE, I'm just not another guy doing not good television. CM Punk has made a stance on his return wrestling career. If the right situation presents itself, he'd be at least willing to listen. He went ahead and told Sports Illustrated, saying, I don't know, when asked about the potential return to wrestling. I've said no before in interviews. I'm not fishing for a deal. I get no, I get offered to do a lot of stuff. I say no to 90% of it, just because my knee, my thing is I need to work with quality human beings. It just seems like maybe in pro wrestling, there's a lot of lack of quality human beings. Yeah, he would definitely hate the third-party stuff that happened. I don't know. I like doing fun quality projects. There is there or a fun quality wrestling project that gets sent my way. I will listen to it. I don't need the money and the way wrestling business is now. It's wacky. You got WWE who has multiple billion dollar television deals and his television is awful. I go back there. I'm just another guy. I'm, it's not even that. I just be that another guy that's doing not good television. I want to do stuff that's good. I want my name attached to quality projects where it's fun. It makes people laugh, smile, think, and people don't hate watching it. I want to do fun stuff. So, yeah. the the Okay, so I get AEW is not the perfect wrestling place. I get that. I'll acknowledge that as an AEW fan. But, but at least everyone seems to think, except for the tribalists of the world, that say it, it's, it's not fun, even though everyone says it's fun, and Punk does seem to keep an eye on things. But when he brings up the quality human being part, I just laugh because... Oh boy, he goes ahead and says about Will Osprey saying, I don't want to give people false hope, but he interests me. Because Will Osprey, because that guy had to do it, called out certain people, former WWE champion Drew McIntyre for a match, and retired former WWE champion CM Punk. So, Osprey, the sad, sad man that did some questionable things that came out and speaking out, and even before that, there was stuff that was coming out, but not as well known. Um, Osprey said about Punk before I was champion, I spoke a band who sparked a whole lot of interest in pro wrestling. CM Punk said he liked to face with Osprey. Now I have the biggest prize in pro wrestling, so if you really want to prove you were the best in the world and not the best of the bad bunch, come over here and try and take this. And he has downplayed a return to the ring, but yeah, let's be real. He's okay. Here's the thing about CM Punk and the idea of him not coming back. I think he will come back. It just depends on his terms and what he thinks would work. Because let, let's be real, I think CM Punk is more open to it than he was several years back. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not because I don't know the guy. And if I did, I would be kind of awesome if I knew Punk. Does he like a guy you can hang out with if you get on his good side? But Punk did talk about talk facing Will Osprey, a on Digital Spy saying, "I don't want to give people false hope 
open answering Osprey, but he's for sure somebody that I've never wrestled before that interests me a lot more than, I guess, the corporate side of professional wrestling nowadays, aka Roman Reigns probably. New and different things are going to interest me more than doing the same old, same old. I always need new goals. I don't know. Let's see if he has it at the end of the summer and then ask me the question again. Oh, God. Just that way he phrases it just makes it sound like he wants to come back. He just wants the best terms of it. Uh, oh, man. So, anyways. Um, one of the big things that was also brought up regarding AEW, as I mentioned earlier, was that Jim Ross had revealed that AEW is going to make some changes soon. One of them involves live crowds in July, playing the torrent again and everything. So, AEW turned Daly's place in, in Jacksonville, Florida into their basically AEW studio place because Tony Khan owns it. So, Tony Khan can do whatever he wants with it. So, now as the world begins to adjust to life amid the pandemic and vaccinations become more readily available, AEW is looking to go back on the road with dynamite. Speaking on his podcast, Grillin JR, Jim Ross stated that the promotion is looking to hit the road pretty aggressively beginning in July, saying, AEW is making some changes also. We're, we're adding more content here sooner than later with another show. We're getting our schedule together. Looks like we're going back on the road pretty aggressively beginning in July, getting back in front of a live audience. It's a blessing. I can't wait. It will help everybody's work. I will help everybody's work. You can't help but feed off the adrenaline of the people in the audience surrounding you. Should be cool. After the events of WWE WrestleMania 37 that featured a big crowd for both nights, it, it was kind of becoming a inevitability that this would happen. And as, as the coronavirus starts to wind down, albeit on paper, like cases are still rising because distribution has been a struggle on the vaccination. And when companies go ahead and just omit certain details, that's a different matter. Like that are saying that you can't get vaccines, but we'll somehow still call the shots, even though you have to work it out on your own, but then we'll still call the shots and when you can get it, how you can get it, and which one you should get. That's at least some belief I've been hearing and discussed about. I don't know if this is 100% factual because I don't work in the corporate world. And if that is the case, oh my God, what the WTF man... So, yeah. Well, and Blood and Guts, the AEW Event War Games event that was supposed to happen before the pandemic will now have the Inner Circle take on MJF and the Pinnacle when they said that probably can't happen at the moment because there's a virus and you have over 10 people involved. And thus, well, this kind of shows that that is indeed now no longer the case. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I'm excited for AEW to go back on touring, though I'm hoping they take all the precautions needed so, because the pandemic is still a big deal. Or they could go to New Zealand, they could go to Zealand, New Zealand and just hang out there because New Zealand seems to be going back to thing is pretty much back to normal since they have spent over five, nearly $500 million on Amazon on Lord of the Rings. I am still baffled by that. Like, there's been some disputes about that, but let's be real. When you hear reports that say we have a department team going ahead and detecting how the dust should move when you walk, 
I think that's an obsession to detail that I wouldn't be surprised. Considering how much money Amazon makes, I get the feeling that that's in fact accurate to the real thing. That it's nearing that kind of money, and I'm just thinking, man, eight episodes for one season, and they're spending that much on eight episodes, and this is supposedly a five-season plan. And they're not even close on the marketing stuff yet. They haven't marketed this yet. And their Lord of the Rings Titan MMO most likely was canceled due to a dispute with Tencent. And then you got also considered that that there's already a Lord of the Rings MMO, which would have caused market confusion probably. But, yeah. It's just... Oh, God. It's just so insane. So... Yeah, speaking of industry of movies and pop culture, Dave Bautista set up a meeting with DC Comics to tell them he'll play Bane one day. Dave Bautista has revealed more, more about the time when he, they pitched to Warner Bros. and DC to let him play Bane, Batman's arch nemesis, or at least one of the like 50 or so arch nemesis he's made. According to Collider, Bautista shared details about his pitch to portray the classic Batman antagonist during an appearance at Justice Con. Promoting his role in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, he revealed that at one point he went directly to studios to strongly express his desire to play Bane on the big screen for any future projects they had planned. I've made no secret about this, highlighting the DC villain at one point of his dream roles. I want to play Bane so bad, I went to Warner Bros. and had an appointment with them, had an appointment with DC, walked in the door, said, I want to play Bane. Not kidding. They were a little like, whoa, we're not even casting Bane. I was like, I don't care. I'm playing him. After the event, Batista took to social media to confirm his statement saying, I wasn't joking. And he posted on Twitter alongside a photo of him at Warner Bros. lot. But in all honesty, they did have a good giggle and showed me the exit. At least I gave it a shot. My life seems to be continuing mission to find an alternative route to get where I want to be. I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, but he says Bane. Like, considering how in the comics, Bane is 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 Latino, I be, if I recall correctly. And the movies have made him a white guy, and now if Batista played him, I lost track of his ethnicity, so I don't know. Well, uh, like, I can imagine Batista being Bane, but he's just so into the MCU as 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 Drax. It is so hilarious. I'm just curious to know how he could make Bane work. Like, he has the look, but there's so much of Drax in him now, I, I'm wondering like how would he how would he do that? Especially when when you consider Warner Media and how they treat the DC universe, extended universe at least, because yeah, it's pretty messed up. And then you realize another factor is, oh my God, <laughs> he, he probably wouldn't be able to do a scene where he goes does an improv scene like he does the infamous, the more famous. Oh, do you want better? Why is Gamora? And I'm just still laughing thinking of that scene. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Oh, man, that's just a hilarious reminder of the insanity that was the MCU right now. So, fans of Knights of the Old Republic, everyone's happy about the Old Republic. We love the Old Republic. We're currently talking about the High Republic these days. Even though people said we want to see Darth Revan again, we want to see Bastilashan again, we want to see Malik, we want to see Kreia, Dartra, Dartrea, or whatever she went by. 
Nihilus, Dark Nihilus, Dark Scion, all these characters we grew up with in the old Legends continuity. Well, there is partial good news. There is apparently going around that a court that a remake of 2003 Bioware RPG Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is reportedly in the works at the port studio Asper Media. I'm pretty sure I butchered that name wrong. Sorry about that. The news was revealed by Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier during an interview with Ben Hansen of Min Max. Saying, this is public at this point, I basically affirmed that the company, which is the company that has ported a bunch of KOTOR games, is working on the remake. Eurogame subsequently backed up the assertion, saying it also heard of the involvement. While the developer is known for often releasing straight ports, work is currently underway to make the project more of a remake instead. And which, yeah. Minmax says, we're talking about the nature of breaking news and revealing games in development. Jason Schreier sheds a little more light on a remake of the Knights of the Old Republic currently in development. So there were rumors for years that there was going to be another KOTOR remake. People do kind of want to see three, but let's be real with Disney's handling on everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then you got to recall that there was news going around that Disney was thinking of making a, making a KOTOR movie or a series about it, and, and I'm all for that if it works. Like, everyone still, like, and I understand this part. Like, everyone kind of wants Keanu Reeves to be Revan, and considering how they confirmed what he looks like in the MMO game, he kind of looks like Keanu Reeves with with, with facial scars and, and tissue and scar tissue, Ooh, with technology and war. It, it kind of does. So I kept saying on YouTube a while back, a few years back, that yeah, I actually think that they should, that it could work. It could be, it could be a very darker look on Star Wars because of how dark that period was. Like you have the first Jedi Purge. That's something that they didn't never experience about. You have Kreia who deconstructs the lore of Star Wars more so than what they did with Last Jedi to a big extent because that's what they try to do. They try to basically take what Kreia represented and put it in the Last Jedi, except Luke isn't Kreia, so that wouldn't have worked. Or has the writing team that can make it work. I feel. So, yeah. So, I'm just like, okay, at least I am glad it's not EA because they would have wrecked that. And even Bioware these days is very different from what it was 2003. I would have been interested if Obsidian took the offer because, though that would have been an Xbox exclusive, which would have been unfair to some people potentially since Obsidian is owned by Microsoft at this point. But, yeah, we'll have to see how that works. Works out, but I'm I'm just hoping it's not. It, it is probably like on the level of a Final Fantasy VII remake, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be. This going to solve the same beats and not be, you know, like like how Final Fantasy VII remake is the game of a Final Fantasy VII one, two, and three kind of deal. I mean, it's probably just going to be one game, and then they'll probably make Kotor two remake if it's popular enough, which. Honestly, it's going to be hard to imagine the voice actress of Kreia not being in there or she's not in there because, what is she, like 80 by now? I could be wrong. So, <clears throat> so Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan has announced that he's leaving Blizzard Entertainment. Oh, shocking. 
As soon as the new rogues, many from around the internet began sharing their appreciation of his work on Blizzard and how, in some cases, positivity, passion, helped inspire and change the lives of the people he met. Overwatch lead league lead observer. I can't, Mike Chioberto said that they were in pure disbelief over the departure, and those who used the phrase, don't meet your heroes, had never met Jeff, saying, uh, everyone spends life telling you don't meet your heroes, well, considering how the last several years have proven that you shouldn't meet your heroes, he says, those people never met Jeff Kaplan, he has always been the most optimistic, supportive, honest, and understanding person I ever worked with, he always made us know that we were all family with T4, today sucks. Principal Director Designer Craig Morrison, who had worked on the Cancel Project Titan with Jeff, shared a story about how even though he hadn't been in Blizzard for very long, Jeff had his back. Saying, a little sad today, Jeff Cavalier first hired me to work on what was then Project Titan at Blizzard. Titan, of course, got canceled, but the interesting part of what, which was the central of my view of both him and Blizzard, was how he personally treated me, my situation and all that. You see, technically, I hadn't even started when the cancellation happened. The company had no legal obligation to find me a job. The job it hired me for no longer existed. Jeff, though, called me immediately, and they already arranged for me to speak to the WoW team. It spoke volumes of his and the team's integrity. I can't have imagined a better way to start a new job, let alone one as intimidating as the one I was starting. He has always been a great influence. We'll be missed. Hopefully, he has more cool things ahead of us for us all. So Jeff was the joined Blizzard in 2002 as the designer of World of Warcraft, aka WoW, developing quests for the MMORPG that had yet to be released. He was originally credited as game director, and then in 2009 he was put in charge of the first-person shooter Project Titan that eventually got canceled. Little Jeff and his many teams took the ideas they had for that game and turned it into the team-based hero shooter now known as Overwatch. And yeah, he was, and I, if I'm correct, he was the. He was the uh, director for Overwatch 2. Yeah. So, the gaming world is kind of going to miss him, and a lot of people have been expressing that he's gone, sadly. So, yeah, Overwatch 2 was in the works, and, and Jeff Kaplan was, what, the director of it? So, it's going to be pretty interesting where they take that. So... Game of Thrones actress Amelia Clark, you know, uh, Trigarian, Daenerys Trigarian, who burned down entire cities because of the bells setting her off with no context, uh, is reportedly in negotiation, final negotiations and I think has been officially casted as part of Marvel's Secret Invasion, the original series in production for Disney+, Plus, as reported by Variety. She would join a cast that would include Samuel Jackson and Mother Ben Mendelsohn, Kingsley Ben Adair, and Olivia, Olivia Colman. When Clark made her way into the galaxy far, far away as QRR in Solo A Star Wars Story, yeah, I did not even recognize her at that time. This would be her first appearance in the MCU. There's also been. There's also been rumors that. That she might replace Amber Heard as the main actress for as the main character for for Mira because of certain things that went down, not about the allegations that she did and what came out about that, but apparently she did not meet quote the physical requirements of Am of, of Mira, which okay, it's that kind of waters down what should what they could have fired her for, but chose not to. It seemed. So, yeah. 
So she seems to be going everywhere. She's good, so she could potentially be in the DC universe. She's going to be in the Marvel universe, and she's in the Star Wars universe. Oh, lucky, huh? I'm like probably less for Warner Media because Warner Media and DC and Warner Brothers tends to be very destructive in forces. So yeah, take a take a what you will of that. Meanwhile, Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier could get multiple seasons. One division is far less likely. So, those two will get possible multiple seasons, but one division looks more likely than ever to be a one and done show. Indy, I reveal that Falcon and the Winter Soldier would be submitted for the Emmy Awards for Drama Series category, whereas one division has been, been submitted to the Limited and, or Anthology Series category. And part of that's because Marvel doesn't want its streaming series to compete with one another on the same awards, but it also speaks to the few years potentially future plans. They wouldn't outright confirm a. Um, the the production development of Marvel Studios VP. He, Nate Moore, wouldn't outright confirm a Falcon when Soldier Season 2, but does actually want to leave the possibility open, saying, We definitely kicked around ideas because we we'll always like to keep thinking about where the schemes can go. We would also, frankly, in the crush of the pandemic, we're trying to finish the show and make sure it got on a timely manner. Hopefully, at the end of the season, you will see the potential of what we could do in the subsequent Season 2. Anyway, I asked more if there were any uh, yet-to-be-released shows that could... I also see multiple seasons. The ones that come to mind, and that probably isn't a secret, I think that's a lot of storytelling in Loki that's really re reverent and clever and cool. We also led to itself to multiple seasons in a way that it's not a one-off. So, yeah. They even said that one of is a show you can only do once, probably, and she can't go back to that reality. So, here's the thing. Whereas Loki will tie in to the 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 Doctor Strange multiverse of madness multiverse of madness movie, there I I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a second season because of how final and it was. Like you could probably make a second season focusing on Wanda possibly finding that finding out her kids are indeed alive and vision now being restored could work. But I don't know if that would fully be invested in a full-fledged TV series on Disney. Instead it could just be part of the multiverse of madness story. Which would reveal that Wanda that WandaVision actually set the stage. I mean, like besides the time traveling stuff. So there's all that argument to be made. Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and Loki. While Loki will tie in to the Multiverse of Madness movie, it could do more seasons probably because of what the nature of the setting is. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I don't even know if it's going to get movies after this. So, it's probably going to stick to streaming and TV. So, we'll have to see how that how they treat that. So, that's where we're at on that. So, Zack Snyder reveals Batman v Superman's original and outright insane title. Um, according to Snyder, Warner Bros. ultimately settled on Batman v Superman, Don Justice, but he pushed hard for more 
weird title saying I was like, guy, can we just do something like and this is funny laughed about this saying it was a poetic saying this. He said this was poetic saying this. Like, can we call it Son of Sun and Night of Night or something that's a little bit more poetic? And I'm like Okay. Okay, maybe a comic could call itself that. But if you went ahead and said Batman v Superman Batman v Superman, Son of Sun, and Night of Night, that's a pretty damn long title, and it's already pushing it with the Dawn of Justice thing. I would have called it, since Wonder Woman is pretty much involved in this movie, I would have called it Trinity Dawn of Justice. It like it, but apparently it also revealed um Like, one of the uh, other possible names were involved Justice League Foundations or Justice League Rising. I would have called it Trinity John of Justice. That, that would have been a much fairer name, since Wonder Woman does get involved in this movie, and she has a role in it. So, it is kind of give or take on that. It, it really is, from in my opinion. And... That's ultimately that big decision-making on that. So we'll be taking a brief break on this, everybody. We'll be back after these after our sponsor. We're back, everyone. So speaking of the DC Universe and movies, Michael Keaton, the publicist, has, the publicist has confirmed, earned in the wake of the revealed teaser of the Flash movie, Michael Keaton will, in fact, return as Batman in The Flash. After hinting that he was hesitant to join The Flash due to concerns of COVID, Michael Keaton has been confirmed to reprise his role as Batman, opposite of Ezra Miller's Barry Allen by Keaton's talent agency, ICM Partners, confirmed the news to The Wrap. The long-delayed solo movie began production today. Well, it began production yesterday. With director Andy Muschiet. I'm pretty sure I butchered that name. Sorry, Andy. Asking to kick off on Instagram, Keaton voiced some ease at the prospect of joining the Flash Show film in March, expressing concern over the scheduling and COVID-19 transmission in the UK, saying, I keep my eye more on the COVID situation than anything in the UK. That will determine everything. That's my first thing about all projects. Like, I look at it and go, is that a thing that is going to kill me? Literally. And you know, if it doesn't, then we, then we talk. So, there's now two Batman in this movie, because Ben Affleck has been set to reprise his role as Bruce Wayne Batman in the movie, so we got Keen Batman and Affleck. The film is also expected to confront the DC multiverse with the story planned as a new take of the Flashpoint storyline. So, we're also going to see Sasha Calais, Kali, uh, butchering that name, probably... As Supergirl, Iris West is involved, Chrissy Clemens, and yeah, I just need to double check on something. Uh, okay, let's see, just to be safe. Okay, yeah, she is the same actress from the Snacks Hire Cut, it's okay. And yeah. Uh, producer Barbara. Convenient. It's going to be fun and exciting. Saying this, it's going to be fun and exciting, and there are a lot of DC characters in it. Flash is the superhero of this film because he is the bridge between all characters and timelines. In a way, he restarts everything. He doesn't forget anything. So, get ready for that, everyone. 
like if you can. So good news for all those PlayStation 3 Vita game owners. Sony reversed its course and will continue selling PS3 and Vita games after all on the storefront. Sony has changed its direction while now keeping its PlayStation Store or operational for PS3 and PS Vita devices as detailed on PlayStation Blog. Uh, this is a reversal from the announcement on March 2021 and it would be closing down the PlayStation Store for the PS3 PSP on July 2nd and the PSN and and Vita store on August 27th. In a letter to the community, Sony and Active Entertainment saying that they have full-on admitted, CEO Jim Ryan stated, clear that we made the wrong decision here, and that the stores will continue to live on. However, the PSP comments functionality will still end on July 2nd. When we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices, and the ability for us to focus more on our resources on newer devices where the majority of our gamers are playing on. We see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future, so I'm glad we'll able to find a solution and to continue out operations. This is the thing that bugs me about this. So, when I heard this, I was thinking, you know, I don't think this would have been as much of an outrage if Sony just swallowed its pride and just went and preserved its gains for newer consoles. Backwards compatibility. Sony has reversed course on that attitude in recent years and has basically been like the whole F you out attitude which hasn't helped their reputation now. Now they're in the same boat Microsoft was in when the Xbox One was first unveiled, so kind of, like, we're still in the age of the one-ups, I think, and now they're trying to one-up attitudes. Sony says, we'll be evil. Microsoft says, we'll be good to the gamers, and whatnot. So, one of the things that launched on, on April 20th was the Xbox Cloud Gaming Beta, Limited Beta, for Apple devices and PC. Microsoft announced that the Xbox Gaming Limited Beta for Windows, Windows 10's PC and Apple's iPhones and tablets via web browsers will be, had begun on, on April 20th. As revealed on Xbox Wire, invites were sent out, and those selected will play over 100 game pastiles through Edge, Google Chrome, and Safari on Xbox Play. The limited beta will be a time to test and learn, and invites will be sent out to a more continuous basis to players in all 22 supported countries. The goal is to inter iterate quickly and give all Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members a new, this new way, way to play in the coming months. These games can be played with compatible Bluetooth or USB connected controls like the Black Backbone 1 or via custom touch controls for more than 50 games. The reason the Xbox Cloud Gaming is only available via web browser is due to Apple's restriction on games that bypass the Apple Store via another app. Xbox Cloud Gaming, which, which used to be called Project X Cloud, has been available for Android devices for some time. In 2019, there was repressed with the tech by IGN behind the streaming service, and has only improved since then, according to them. So, yeah, th th this was a kind of a big deal. Uh, I had actually considered doing Android for a little bit, but then I just moved on and didn't care after that. So, yeah, Apple's restrictions continue. What can you do? Also, the TV series based off the Batman movie with basically that guy from Twilight. Oh, God. It, it's it's pushing it. 
So it was already bad enough that they were going to make a Gotham spinoff because there's the Gotham TV show that already happened. But HBO Max is like, nope, this features Jim James Gordon. And he's black. But that's the difference, essentially. <laughs> I'm seriously confused by this more than, than annoyed. Gotham PD, as it's called, were reportedly focused on James Corden, and you lost me. Uh, again, we uh, we just had a series about that. Why didn't you just... Okay. Why didn't you just... Okay, you could have just done... You could have just used the Gotham TV show as the basis to do the to do the movie. You could have done that. You, you could have done that. It would have worked. I really think it would have worked. But yeah, it is part, it is, it is, the HBO series is like, they're going to make Gotham Central about it. Like the Gotham Central comic series that Greg Rucka and Ed Burbanker worked on. Gotham PD will serve as a prequel to the 2022 Batman film. It was set during the first year of the Dark Knight's career as a hero. Reeves is currently producing the series, which was struggling to hold on to a showrunner. Current showrunner Joe Barton recently created and wrote an eight-episode crime thriller for BBC Two and Netflix. He also wrote a 2017 supernatural horror film called The Ritual. Jeffrey Wright, who plays Gordon Reese's Batman, may, may play the officer again in the spinoff series, but no casting information has been announced as of yet. I mean, like, if it's going to focus on James Gordon, you kind of need that actor. So, yeah. So, there were rumors, apparently, that Square Enix was going to be bought. It was up for sale after acquisition rumors happened. Bloomberg has reported earlier that there is interest of some several buyers to acquire Square Enix, according to a press release, saying, however, this report is not based on any announcement by Square Enix holding CEO LTD. We do not consider selling off the company or any part of the businesses, nor we have any received any offer from any third party to acquire the company or any part of its businesses. It is, of course, possible that both sides of the story are true, but that may well be parties interested in Square Enix and Square Enix in itself might be unwilling to sell to them. That said, analyst Dave Gibson pointed to the idea that this could be bankers trying to drum up business in Square Enix. To back up Gibson's idea, Bloomberg subsequently reported that shares rose by 12% after the report went out, the highest rise in eight, eight months. So, yeah, one of the other thing, acquisitions that happened was that that they that, that Discord rejected the reportedly rumored $10 billion offer from Microsoft, though nothing was given out on that. They just denied it. They just said, we're not doing it. Meanwhile, speaking of, and Epic Games also bought Fall Guys, so that was the thing. And speaking of Epic Games, that Fortnite Batman crossover comic. Yeah. Yeah, it's apparently massively selling out. And yeah, they're selling on eBay for $40 on eBay over the Harley Quinn skin for the game because all the comics will have a code to sell to for players. If you get the DC Universe app, infinite app for the US at least, you will get the code emailed to you within 15 minutes or less. Be yeah, considering how, yeah, but considering the skin alone are rocketing, the let alone the comic itself, there there is 
very little chance that copies could be returned, according to some people, because all six issues have been made returnable. So, yeah. It's selling for up to 25 bucks and play and especially 40 bucks. So, yeah, this is this is pretty insane. I mean, I don't know why. Like, because that's like now Batman is part of the same universe of game where they have Iron Man, where they have the X Men crossover with with the. Fortnite game. I'm just saying. It's just insane. It's just insane. Like, you know they're not going to feature the licensed characters, even though people want to see this happen. But, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. So, DC Comics Superman comic book series is getting a cancellation and relaunch, and a new Superman involved in it. This summer, Superboy will become Superman. Lois Lane and Superman's son, Jonathan Kent, will take up his father's mantle and hero name in the long-running Superman comic book series, but with a relaunch number one and a slight name change. Superman, son of Kal-El. Beginning this July, finally, writer Tom Taylor finally gets to write Superman in the main continuity. I think. And Justice writer Tom Taylor and Young Justice artist John Timms will follow the new Superman as he takes over guardianship of the Earth while his father branches out into outer space. Ace with, this, with DC's description saying, Jonathan Kent has experienced a lot of his young life. He's fought evil with Robin, Damian Wayne, traveled across the galaxies with his Kryptonian grandfather from another timeline, lived in the future with a super, legion of superheroes who were intent on training him for the day his father could no longer be Superman. There, there is a hole in the Legion's history that prevents John knowing exactly when that will happen, but all signs point to it being very soon. It's time for the son to wear the cape, his father, and then continue the never-ending battle for the, to be the symbol of hope for his home planet. So, yeah, I, I am still curious if they'll ever address Damian Wayne and whatnot. But yeah, meanwhile, his father, Clark Kent, a.k.a. the original Superman, will continue his quest for truth and justice in action comics in his current story arc of liberating the slave population of the alien planet war world. Action comic series writer will continue the book of Philip Kennedy Johnson with this art, joined by artist Daniel Sanfrey. This issue takes the action to Atlantis and the Fortress of Atalitude, where war world refugees have taken possession of the dangerous war world tech, bringing it to the Aquaman's undersea kingdom, risking all-out war that even Storm may not be able to prevent. It reads DC's description for Action Comics 1033. Meanwhile, some have escaped war world prisoners have found the Fortress of Atalitude, and along with it, Lois Lane, and on the cover shows Lois Lane wielding a gun because she needs to be badass. And last but not least, there is one piece of news regarding Superman. Grant Morrison's Return to Superman and the Authority book in a new team-up series. And this limited series with art by Mike Jannon launches in July as part of a minor rejiggering of the core incontinuity Superman titles every month that includes the launch of Supergirl World of Tomorrow limited series. Morris and Jannon's series picks up on the recent ongoing going on in Phil Kennedy Johnson's action comics. The description ring is Superman has to free the prisoners of War World, he's going to need help. The kind of help that doesn't scream Justice League. According to the publisher, multi Eisen Award winning writer and fan favorite artist have the solution, and in the form of a new iteration of the Authority led by Manchester Black, and along with the original 40 members, Midnighter and 
Aaron and Apollo. New members called from the DC proper, Enchantress and Natasha Irons, as well as a new version of Light Ray of the New Gods and OMAC. <laughs> yeah. This new team will have to learn to work together and fast, as the ultra-humanite has formed his own team of villains to take out the Man of Steel. So this is canon, and I thought this, when I first heard the announcement, I thought this was actually part of the whole spin take of, of the Omniverse route they're going for, because Superman joining up with the Authority is a weird concept, considering how ultra-violent the Authority is supposed to be. The Pumper also says that the limited series will help launch an all-new status quo for Superman, setting up story elements that will impact both action comics and the Son of kal Superman story, the retail Superman title that gets a new writer and new focus starting in July for the foreseeable future. Superman and the Authority is an ultimate homecoming for Morrison, in addition to the Reverend Eisenhower Award 2005 All-Star Superman series, considered by many, including including and many sites as one of the greatest Superman stories ever written. Morrison was the writer of the relaunched action comics with artist Rags Morales as part of the New 52 reboot. Morrison, of course, also wrote Superman as part of the equally revered late 90s JLA run. Morrison's history of the authority is a little more turncated, turncoded. In late 2006, Mar Morrison launched Volume 3 of the series for artist Gene High in what was intended to be a significant relaunch for it, the original Wildstorm title Wildcats, which Morrison also wrote for artist Jim Lee. Only one issue relaunched with Wildcats and two issues of the Authority were ever released. Morrison later explained in 2008's New York Comic Con, Authority was just a disaster. It would have been interesting to see Morrison work on that. After the series began running late, and Morrison became heavily involved in the DC year-long weekly series 52, when they saw the less-than-great reviews for the first issue of Authority, they, he basically said this, I said, FUNK IT! Morrison's planned storyline was later scripted by Keith Giffen in the 2008's Authority, The Lost Year. Superman and the Authority goes on sale July 20th. So, Grant Morrison gets to basically have a second shot, at least, from, from what it sounds like of Superman and the Authority, I'm, I'm still honored about this idea. Superman teaming up with the Authority, it's not like Apollo and Midnighter are obviously the OG members. The others, not so much. There are other characters, Enchantress, Natasha Irons, and with, with, with new fun, funded back by, seemingly by Manchester Black. So... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I know when they're probably never gonna see see that I keep forgetting her name for the who represented the twentieth century and whatnot, which still confused me about that. Like I was not in the Wildstorm universe that much, so I don't know. I probably got that wrong. And then they retconned it, saying that it's it, it's the it, oh well you see this is actually part of the DC universe, but it broken off due to timelines, and therefore we gotta bring it back and realign everything because it's the New Fifty Two and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, Superman and the Authority are the thing that I closing out on this. Grant Morrison's return to the new team of limited series. So. This is clearly his second chance to get the authority he wanted to do, but now it has to involve the DC Universe and Superman! Still awkward. So, 
I'm glad to be back on this. We got up to 50 minutes of this, so I'm hoping I can keep this going. We'll have to see how this works. So this was Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Feel free, like, feel free to check out my other episodes. Follow this podcast on Anchor.fm and all my subsequent distribution sites like Apple Podcasts. Donate to the brand and everything, and I'll see you all next time. Take care, everyone, and stay safe. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.